So many of you are as alert as I am. And if I'm not mistaken, we only got halfway through uh, the lesson we were going on the message being spread, the need for people to be sent. And if I am mistaken, then going through it again, maybe we'll be more thorough. But I think that we didn't finish it up. We were about to start in on uh, the fact that those are sent have to uh, rely at, be relied on with those by those who support, they must be willing to send. Because if somebody's going to do any kind of hardcore evangelism, they're going to need a little bit of help. And back in their day, it wasn't just a matter of helping them get on their trip and make that happen. A lot more training, too, because they were figuring out as they trained, despite the fact that they had a better trainer than us. But it's not much different today. Uh, you have some people who don't really need a lot of help to have coffee with whoever, or just answer questions, talk on break, but there's some evangelism that really requires support from those willing to do the sending. And if nobody's willing to do that sending, the Bible says in Romans 14, how exactly shall they preach? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But as we're delving into this, this doesn't just happen by accident. Just as the early churches did, Jerusalem sent Barnabas to Antioch. Acts 11.22 Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. I'm sure there were plenty of preachers then, just there now, that are ambitious and just take it upon themselves, but at some point they were sent. They didn't start out that way. They were sent the same way that this guy was. Or how Antioch sent out Paul and Barnabas. Acts, 3, uh, Acts 13, 1-2. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian which had been brought up with Herod, the patriarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And that's really more accurate in my mind, even if it's being sent necessarily by your church. If you're doing the Lord's work, you're not necessarily being sent by the individuals at the church and said, we're going to help make this happen. You go over here and do some evangelist work. You're being sent by the Lord if it's His will that you're doing. There's many other examples in the Bible. Philippi supported Paul and Thessalonica. Philippians 4, 15-16 Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. They wanted to make sure they had every last detail right, and they didn't just stop it. How do I carry myself? How do I walk? They went right on down to, well, how do I be supported? That was a big part of Paul's ministry, in fact. Churches supported Paul in other places, such as Corinth. 2 Corinthians 11, 8, and 9. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them, to do you service. And when I was present with you and, want, and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia, supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, 
and so will do, and so will I keep myself. And I misspoke on that when it wasn't the Corinthians that were supporting him. It was other churches because he came to do work at Corinth, like the Macedonia congregation that supplied the needs so that he could be there worried about the work that needed doing. The fact is that they understood that such workers were worthy of support. You get a job today and they get a good worker and in an ideal company, the man, that's a good worker, we're going to take good care of them. And that was the way that a lot of the evangelism early on and some of it nowadays goes. People and congregations see that the work being done is worthy of support and they do just that. This is exactly what Jesus taught his disciples, Matthew 10.10. 10. Uh, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. He was getting to the idea of them that you didn't have to worry about all these things. He told them if he gathered them up, drop what you're doing and come with me. Let the dead bury the dead. Don't worry about them details over there. The Lord's work needs to be done. Let's go. And everywhere they went, they had what they needed. Uh, more special for them, they actually had the Lord physically in their presence at their time. We have him with us, but not physically standing there having lunch with us the way he did with the apostles. But the fact was, he said, don't worry about any of that stuff. You get up and you come do the right thing, and what you need will be there. Because that's the way it ought to work out. Luke 10, verse 7. And in the same house remaining, eateth and drinketh such things as they gave, for the labor is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Those two went together. He had them just pick up and leave everything. And along the way, whatever is needed was provided. And a lot of us experience that today. We go out and we do the right thing. And whatever we need is there. We go out and we help somebody beyond our means a little bit even. Or go and do what we should do at the church. Maybe we miss the shift of overtime. We're not getting rich, but we always have what we need. Just like the evangelist of Paul's day and those working with Christ were always taken care of. Don't worry about your coat. Don't worry about burying the dead. You go do what you're supposed to do and all will be well. This is like Paul taught the Corinthians to further out. We started out a minute ago, 1 Corinthians 9, 7 through 14. It says, Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charge? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as man, or saith I them, or, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown into you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of the power over you, are we not? Are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. He had a lot of analogies to draw from for their day and time. Well, how does the ox eat when he's out plowing the field? Our law says don't muzzle him. He just reaches down and gets something to eat. How do the Levites get their their uh, meals? Well, it's brought to them. You go through the Levitical sacrifices, and a good portion of what's being brought in is so that the Levites can handle the priesthood, 
and not worry about having to go plow a field or barter or buy and sell. No, they're dedicating all of their time to the work of the Lord, so everybody else is bringing a little bit of something until enough is put there for all of the Levites. And he's going along further and saying, you know, if somebody's working hard at the ministry of the Lord, there's nothing wrong with those he's ministering to helping out. And that's not necessarily to speak of a preacher. There's a lot of evangelism goes on where people are sent overseas or across the country and a number of other things. And not everybody doing one of the two needs great amounts of support. But the idea is that if it's there, that's how the Lord expected it to work when needed. The fact is that they must be willing to sacrifice, which is no different than any other position in Christianity, whether you're in ministry or you're cleaning the church or you're donating time or money or whatever it is that you're sacrificing as a Christian. Sacrifice is part of our life. This is the same thing that was preached uh, to us about being stewards of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4, 1, Let a man so account of us as of the minister of Christ and steward of the, ministry, of the mysteries of God. It leads into the idea that they are stewards of their possessions. 1 Peter 4, 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you look into the idea of being a steward, a steward is expected to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And the type of stewards that we are, we need to be able to minister with the ability God provides. And everybody has a different level of that ability. You might literally just be going to your brother and say, Hey, come see who we found. We found the Messiah. And there might not be another thing written about you, but that one thing is very powerful. Or you might be Paul, and you might be going all over the place spreading the gospel until finally your time has come. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, in whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. And amen. Still not a new concept. We're supposed to do all things for the Lord and do it to the ability that he gave us, but most especially if we're and an opportunity to do work for the Lord, or to spread that gospel as that work, or whatever that work may be. The fact is that whatever our lot is that we're supposed to be doing, whether or not we're doing it up to our ability, or doing what the Lord asked of us, we're going to have to give an account to that one day. Matthew 25, 14-30, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his, seed, his own servant, and delivered unto them goods, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them five other talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received only one, went and digged into the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest me unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord saith unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou didst uh, deliverest unto me two talents, behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. 
His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant, for thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strown. And I was afraid, and I went and I hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gatherest where I have not strown. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own usury, with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which hath the ten talents, for every unto every one that hath shall it be given, and, to, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's funny how sometimes when you're little, you can see things more clearly than you ever do as an older person. When I was little, I didn't understand that they were talking about money, but I knew what talents were. And then I got a little older, and I thought, oh man, I had that all wrong. This is all about money. Well, then I got a little bit older and I realized, okay, they're using money for an analogy, but they are, in fact, talking about what we would call talents today. The analogy with money, because it's easy to say, well, you had this money, you could have done some work with it. Or you had this money, you did great work with it, you made more money. And the analogy, as I seem to take it, is we all know that we've been given some kind of a gift, whether it be a working gift, a teaching gift, a giving gift. There's something the Lord blessed us with the ability to do. And at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, are we using our talent the way the guy that started with five and ended with ten did, or are we using them like the guy with only one? You might only have one talent. You might be shy and quiet and afraid of people and not able to talk, but man, can you clean a bathroom. So you ought to be in here cleaning the bathroom. Nobody likes cleaning a bathroom. I get that, but... The example is what it is. Everybody is blessed with some type of a talent. And the Lord gave you that talent for a reason. You may not understand what that reason is yet, but if you're constantly presented with the opportunity to use that talent to glorify the Lord and you're not doing it, well, then you've taken that talent, you've buried it in the earth because you're afraid of the wrath of the Lord, and you're now, in fact, drawing that right on top of you because you have that talent to use for the purpose of whatever the Lord sees fit. There are those that believe that preachers and other servants should be willing to sacrifice more than others. Well, that's like saying, oh, well, you can't make a mistake because you're a preacher, or you're an elder, or you're this or you're that. Well, I'm just a redeemed sinner like anybody else in the room. Or to the other people in the world, well, I'm just a sinner like you. I just happen to not want to be. I, can't never, I can never stop being a sinner, but I could try real hard to do better. Luckily for me, somebody else can fill the gap where my righteousness draws short. Should the quartermasters at the base be squandering what may have been given to them to support the soldiers at the fort? Or in other words, when it comes in for the people out there in the army that are deployed all over the place, should the sergeants just take it and have a big old party and just leave all these people in the mud? Should we not have the same willingness to sacrifice if the need is there? Even if the biblical concept is just a little bit too theological for you. Okay, we're all a family. We all just be backing each other up anyhow. That was something anybody can grasp. If brethren at the base sacrificed as much as they expect those who are on the front line to, 
would there not be more good things being done? In other words, if it wasn't a matter of dividing up the task, saying who should and shouldn't do the most work, if we all just came and did what we could do, how much better off would the gospel of Christ be in this day and age? 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Serving with the same zeal as with the ability which God supplies. God gives each one of us our ability. We could, we could be like Moses tried to be. Oh, I'm, I'm not a good talker. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. The fact of the matter was, for every excuse that he had, God had an answer, and he would for us too if we would open our ears, clean them out a little bit, and listen. If God gave you a talent, and you're, oh, I'm just not worth anything, I've just got the one talent, maybe he's waiting for you to exercise that a little bit so he can grow you into a second one. You don't know until you get started. Or maybe that one talent that seems like nothing to you is really an amazing thing and you have no idea the impact it's going to have but if you bury it in the earth you'll never find out where it goes from there we need to all be striving for the same goal and that in all things God may be glorified and it doesn't matter if you're a preacher if you're a over a cup of coffee evangelist if you're an over the seas living out in the middle of the jungle evangelist or if you're the person who comes in and cleans and nobody knows who you are what you're doing is to be done so that God may be glorified. The fact is that no matter what role it is that you're playing due to the talent that God has blessed you with, we are all fellow workers for the truth. You take a machine with 10,000 parts and it doesn't matter which part you take, you take one of the parts and you remove it, the machine doesn't run anymore. You take a big old family all working together that all had different talents and you start removing talents out of the mix. Things just aren't working the way that they could. And eventually you might have the same total meltdown. 3 John 1, 5 through 8 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ is his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Very simple and powerful and to the point cluster of verses there. God is light. He has no darkness. If we're walking in darkness, we're not walking with God. And if we think we have no sin, we simply deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In receiving and sending those whom Christ has sent, they receive Christ, Matthew 10, 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And he goes on to let them know that the same reward is available to them. Verses 41 and 42. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive the prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. In other words, do the right thing, pay it forward, help out where you can, do your part. 
And ultimately, that ends up being between you and God what your part is. But if he's constantly nudging you and throwing opportunities out in front of you, it should become clear after a while that your part is something more. And it builds, it builds, and it builds. If you're constantly hearing the invitation and not taking it, well, that might be the first part. Your, your talent you're fending off might be the talent to be bold enough to stand up in front of everybody and say, I do love Jesus. And once that talent has been developed, the next talent might be something even greater. You don't know until you go through the first step how the second step's going to turn out. Your talent could be any number of things. And if you just keep ignoring it, you'll never know where it could go. The gospel spread around the world in the first century as Paul wrote to the brethren at Rome. Romans 10, 17, and 18. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. And that took everybody doing their part. That took the people who were out preaching, exercising their talent to preach. That took the people that were praying for those out there and sending those out there doing their part. That took for the people receiving them on the other side and saying, oh, you look hungry, doing their part. It took everybody doing their part for that to be the success that it was. That situation is a little bit different because that was the will of the Lord. So even if a bunch of us people try to sit down, we can't really circumvent God's will. He's going to make it happen. But it was his will that it would be done right, so it was. Paul also wrote to the Colossians in 1.23, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. If people are continuing grounded and settled in their faith, then they're going to be doing everything to glorify the Lord. They're going to exercise their talents, and they're going to continue to grow. The gospel continues to be spread in countries around the world, wherever preachers are willing to make sacrifice to go, wherever brethren are willing to make sacrifice to sin, and wherever workers are willing to make sacrifice to do whatever it is they need to sacrifice to get done, because there's too wide of a range there for me to generalize. The hope is that the sacrifice of, of uh, evangelism exemplified by the early Christians should inspire us today to put in the work needed, whether it be evangelism, local service, or fill in the blank with whatever it is that's on your mind that the Lord's prodding you to do. Because either we're exercising those talents or we're going to be cast in outer darkness with the guy that had the one talent. And ultimately the choice is ours. With that thought in mind as we're deciding... Are we following the will of the Lord? We're going to offer the invitation like we often do when we're together. And as we offer that invitation, think about it. Am I living up to my talent? Am I doing what the Lord has asked me to do? Am I accepting the Lord to begin with? Because that's talent number one for all of us. What exactly is it that I'm doing? And is it what I should be doing? So we're going to offer that invitation. If you've never accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior... You need to know that it's going to end badly for you if you die before you do take that step. A truck is involved in this building right now take out every one of us. Brakes went out. Horrible accident. Or you might just not make it home. Or you might just go to sleep tonight and not wake up due to some defect nobody knew you had. And if you're a Christian, I don't got to sit and go through the scenarios with you. You know where you need to be. If you're not there, you know you need to be right there with God. And if you need your family, you know your family's here for you. In both cases, we have the invitation, and it's open to whoever needs it as we stand and sing.